Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Parshas Vayeshev is the parsha that documents the development of the Jewish people. Because the parshias, the Torah portions that preceded this one, talk about Avraham Avinu and the development of what we would call the first monotheism. Avraham Avinu and Sarah promulgate their message. They burnish their credentials. They become established as we know them, as the first of us in Imaris. Talk about Yitzchak and Rivka and their challenges. And then we talk about our father Jacob, Yankov Avinu, as an individual. His challenges of Esau, his challenges of Lavan, and how he comes into his own. So Parshas Vayeshev begins Vayeshev, Yankov. Yankov settles down. He's already, he's already a patriarch. He's already established. He, he has achieved much. And as Rashi says, he wants to take it easy a little. But of course, Hashem has other plans. And the parsha talks about the development of the Jewish people. The foundations of the Jewish people is the 12 Shvatim. That's the tribes that make up the complex composite of different kinds of Jews. Jewish people who serve Hashem in one way or in another way. The various stripes of what we call Klal Yisro. And it's not an easy development. It's, it's like with everything. There's a lot of challenge over here. And this is, of course, a source of great pain and great angst to Yaakov probably ready from the beginning, but in, in this week's Parsha, it explodes on him. And eventually, we're going to hear about Yosef and his brothers, how the brothers hate Yosef or the passion, how they decide eventually to kill him, and in the end, they commute that sentence and they send him off to Mitzrayim where they sell him as a slave, thinking they'll never hear from him again. As a result, Yehuda gets the blame, and Yehuda sinks, and he disappears. It looks like the Jewish people actually disintegrate. It looks like the Shvatim come unwound. And we'll see later, they come together, and the Jewish people become forged. We lay our foundation for posterity. That's, that's going to take place over the next few parshios. And Yosef HaTzadik is the major figure. Yehuda features the one, in one act here. But Yosef HaTzadik is going to be the, come the focus. And, and Rashi tells us that uh, when it says, Ben Zekunim Hulo, that Yisrael, who is Yaakov Avinu, loves Yosef, more so than the rest of the tribes, and as a Ben Zekunim, everything he learned, it's a Bar Chakim, he's the wise son, he's the son who Jacob, who Yaakov felt he could communicate with, the son who he felt he could pass on the legacy, the son who he felt would be the one to lead the Jewish people into the future. And this causes a great deal of jealousy. The other brothers feel that Yosef is favored, and, and, and that causes an acrimony in the family, and, and Yosef seems to contribute to this also by giving them a whole story about his grand images and his dreams and his visions which they cannot understand and they cannot appreciate. So, in the middle of all this, there becomes an obsession over a jacket. It shows up right in the beginning. Yisrael Ahavas Yosef, in the beginning of Parshas Vayeshev, Pasuk Gimel, the third Pasuk, and Yisrael, Israel, who is Jacob. He loves Joseph, he loves Yosef, Mikol Bana from all of his children. Why ki ben Various interpretations. He was born at an older age. He's the wise son. He looked very much like Yaakov. But also, lo ketonet pasim. He made him a special jacket, a special coat. Okay. The Torah finds it necessary to give us this little wardrobe uh, detail about Yosef's jacket. Because the next pasuk already introduces to you <coughs> the strife. <coughs> that abounds in the family of, of Yankiv. But Yiru Echov, 
The brothers saw. What did they see? They saw ki that it was Yosef, that it was him that the father loved. So they had became very jealous of him. And then Yosef starts with his dreams. And he has dreams of everybody bowing to him in these grand visions. Yosef doesn't stop. He used to tell these dreams. As we, we once talked about this, this is the idea of Yosef actually having to, to, to articulate these dreams and having them speak about it as a form of actualization. It becomes, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. The Gemara Baruch says that when you interpret the dream, you actualize the dream, you create the dream. So, so Yosef has these dreams and, he, and, and the father Jacob tries to mitigate the acrimony that is being engendered and he says, what are you talking about? Ridiculous dream, stop it. But really, really, Yaakov Avinu was very excited about these dreams. It says, Va'aviv shamar asadavar and Rashi says, He is waiting. He's biding his time. When will this happen? Matayavo, when will this happen? Which we're going to talk about. Why is Yaakov so excited about this idea that he and everybody else is going to bow to Joseph? What is it about to Joseph for? Mamtinu mitzapa. He's awaiting. He's actively yearning for this time. We're going to talk about that. But this is very clear that they don't like Yosef. Fine. Torah then tells us a story that Yosef, is, his brothers go off to take care of the sheep, but really it's kind of self-indulgence. Rashi says they just want to get away from the whole situation. They're just not happy. <coughs> Father Jacob sends Yosef off. He says, go see how your brothers are doing. And he goes on the way and he meets some person. There's a whole story about who that person is. Rashi learns that it's Gavriel Hamalach and the angel Gabriel is coming to put a challenge in Yosef's way to bring forth from him more courage, more metal. He says, you, you know where they went? You know what they're thinking about you? And Yosef continues and he goes on his way. And, and then the terrible, terrible Fipsukim here. They say, oh, <laughs> the dreamer's here. Let's get rid of him. Let's kill him. And then, in the middle of the story, suddenly, when Yosef comes, we become obsessed with the jacket again. Yosef, oh, it doesn't say they stripped him. It doesn't say they, they, they took his clothes off. It says they took specifically escutanto, eskutonasapasim. So you have the, the Bala Taisva said that they stripped him naked. They hoped the snakes would bite him that way. He should have no protection from the snakes when they throw him into the pit. So that's very nice. Why are they talking about the ketonatapasim? He stripped him naked. Obviously, he took his fancy colorful coat away. It goes without saying. But the Torah zeroes in. We know very, very little details about a whole lot of things. But we're hearing about the jacket again. And then the Torah says they throw him into the pit. And after they throw him into the pit, and then they pull him out of the pit, and the whole story how that happens. And then, and then we talk about the jacket again. Then they take the, pack, the jacket, and they put the jacket, they dip it in blood, and they send it off to Yaakov, and Yaakov looks at the jacket. And again we talk about, oh, is this atonement me? This is indeed the jacket of my son. And he weeps and he cries, but... He cannot find any kind of comfort. So, no less than four times does the Torah zero in on this jacket. Now, the jacket seems to be uh, an, an irrelevant detail. Irrelevant detail. He had a jacket. Okay, fine, he had a jacket. So what? So do we have to talk about the jacket and describe the jacket and know what color the jacket was? Why can't we simply say that the brothers were unhappy because Yaakov made Yosef special? And this is, by the way, how some of the Rishonim learn Pshat. The Sepharno says, pasim, He made him a special jacket. He's going to be the leader. He's going to be the special one, and this is his mark of distinction. He has a special jacket. 
the Minchabalula says that it was a kind of jacket that you couldn't go outside to work with. He put him on a tuxedo. You know, the reason you wear a longer jacket on Shabbos is because when you wear longer clothes, a longer coat, it's hard to run and play basketball when you're wearing a kapata. It's hard to, to, it's a little harder to behave in a weekday fashion. So therefore, you put on something which is a, a longer, more dignified kind of clothing, you have to act dignified. That's the simple reason. It's halacha. It says on Shabbos you have to wear a longer garment. Especially a man wears a longer garment because men often behave in an undignified fashion, in a wild fashion. So, wearing a longer garment, the clothing makes a difference on you. The truth is, most often, even if one wears a long gown, it's very hard to run around in a long gown. So longer garments inhibit wild behavior or mundane or weekday behavior. So Yosef had a long jacket. No, he's going to run in the field, chase the sheep with a long jacket. You'll picture this. A guy in a tuxedo and a capata chasing the sheep. It's a funny picture. So Yosef has a fancy jacket. And because he has a fancy jacket, he's in a fancy position. That's how the men come. shot. There's a long piece from the Bishleme. Asturk over here. Also, uh, similar along the same lines that there's this business of Yosef looking special, being special, being designated special, and when the brothers can't stand him, they can't stand him because Yaakov loves him. The problem with all this explanation is, it's all tatered, it's all valid. The problem is, so why do we have to obsess over the jacket? I understand the jacket's mentioned once. Did I have to mention another three times? And, and anyway, it doesn't say, Vayiru echov they saw ki oto ahava vihem. They saw that he was more beloved than the rest of his brothers. Why was he more beloved? Because he had a jacket? I'll tell you why he's more beloved. Take a look in Rashi. Rashi says, what does it mean, Ben Zikunim? What does it mean, the child of Zikunim? After the first interpretation, Le'ez Ziknato, that he was born at an older age. Of course, that's what about Benyamin? Okay, Benyamin was a baby still. He, he, he didn't get to Benyamin yet. But Yosef is a, the, like the end of the, of, 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 of the children, the end of the tribes for quite a break until Benyamin came along. But Rashi is not satisfied with this. And maybe because Binyamin is the baby. And Rashi says, it's Barchakim, that Zikunim is like the of wisdom. We know that when it says that you, Vihadarta Pnei Zakein, when you're supposed to respect an elder, it doesn't necessarily mean somebody who's got a lot of years on the passport, but rather somebody who is Zesha Konachachma, that Zikna, for Jewish people, Segesidi is not a question of how when you were born, or how much uh, cholent you ate, it's a question of how wise a person became. And somebody can be very young, but wise beyond the years, and you can have an old fool. So Yosef was a ben zikunim abar chakim, is a, is, a, is a brilliant, very, very bright child. Okay, mashalom ad misham, shem ve'ever, pardon me, masalei, where he learned from shem and ever, he gave over. So basically, he was the child that Yaakov spent most of the time with. Now I'm asking a simple question. If you were one of the shvatim, what would bother you more? That Yosef had a fancy jacket? or that he was spending time with Yaakov all the time. He was the one who was sitting with Yaakov and studying Torah. He taught everybody else Torah, but the, the lion's share of time, he doted upon Yosef. Any person would say, it's a jacket? Heck with a jacket. I go buy my own jacket. What am I going to do if my father buys my brother a fancy jacket? You know what I'll do? I'll buy my own jacket. That's what I'll do. Finished. End of story. I'll buy a nicer jacket. Come on. Like, that's, that's a reason to hate him. He looked just like his father. So they, they felt somehow he, that he was special, he was different. And, and he behaved differently. He, 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 he somehow didn't fit into the rest. And Rachel was the beloved wife, and he was the special child. He was the wunderkind. So really, we don't have to mention this jacket altogether. 
when it says, when you, when you have this idea that Yaakov Avinu spent a lot of time learning with Yosef, and that Yaakov Avinu had a son who looked just like him and he identified with him, because that's another thing Rashi tells us, that he identified with the struggles of Yosef. Yaakov felt that there was something about Yosef's personality that reminded him very much about himself. He was like magnetically drawn to Yosef. He said, this one's brothers hate him, and that one's brothers hate him. Things that Yaakov doesn't even know about, but even though Yaakov Avinu didn't see it yet, he intuitively knows that he and Yosef share something special. And that's all hinted at in one word of the Torah. Zikunim. Kiben Zikunim. Maximum two words of the Torah. Okay, study the Torah. You find out the kind of relationship that uh, Father Jacob and his son Joseph had. You understand and appreciate that the brothers weren't happy. That there was jealousy amongst them. There is an opinion that Balaturim says that it was, tennis Pasim was nothing special. It was a few bucks more. A cheap little jacket. He said, the lesson for us is, Al-Yishana bin Abadim, the Gemara says, we shouldn't make differences amongst children. We shouldn't favor one child over the other. And the Gemara sees this as a, as a flaw, a mistake. It says, it could be something small. It could be a, a little jacket. Something very small. Even so, that becomes debilitating in the family dynamic. And it could ruin and sour the relationship amongst the siblings. Okay, fine. So, so like, this is, these are, like, details it, it's 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 a it's a side lesson. There's the storyline, and then there's a little kind of uh, codicils to the story. There's a little lesson about what you should do between the children, and, and this is a, a sign. This was indicative of that special relationship. But for heaven's sake, that's not the focus. Or so it would seem. It's just a jacket. It's just a jacket. Four times, they took off his jacket. They put on his jacket. They tore his jacket. Yaakov took the jacket. I think it's a reasonable question to ask. I think it's reasonable for us to make the assumption, having studied Torah and knowing that there's much more than meets the eye, <laughs> there's got to be something more about this jacket. This jacket has to be a representation of something. And even on a, on a, on a, on a quasi-literal level, this jacket has to be more. It's got to be something really special, something razzle-dazzle about this jacket that, that somehow ticked Yosef's brothers off to the point that they wanted to kill him eventually. It's pretty serious stuff. All right, so the first thing, the first kind of like inkling we get that there's something very, very different about this jacket is found in the commentary, Moir Ha'afelo, one of the Rishonim. And he says, after describing what the jacket looked like, he said it was striped. He says, but I have to tell you that there is an opinion that this jacket... This is the tunic that Esav took from Nimrod and later gives it to Yaakov and Yaakov gives that to Yosef. Which tunic did Esav take from Nimrod? And we learned about this a few weeks ago. Esav's strange suit. And the truth is you don't even have to go so far because the, to any of the great Mepharshim, the Targum Yerushalmi fascinatingly, spells it out for us. Much later on, at the end of the Parsha, end of the Chumash, pardon me, Parsha's Vayichi, the blessings that Yosef receives. So the, the, the Torah says matter-of-factly. Yaakov states, V'ani and I nasati lecha, I gave you Shechem achad alachecha. I gave you an, another portion. I gave you more than your brothers. So one way of understanding this is futuristically. Futuristically. He's going to give him more. But, or, or he gave him more. 
Yosef's two children become part of the Shvatim. The Targum uh, Yerushalmi says something fascinating. And I'll read it to you in Aramaic and translate. I gave you a different pair of uh, clothing. I gave another jacket. And what article of jacket? This, obviously, this is the Xeris Pasim. This is the clothing of Adam Arishon. That this clothing of Adam Arishon was given to Avraham, Avuye da Abba, my father's father. Midyodoi the Nimrod, Rishi, came through the hands of Nimrod, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, that it was actually probably a couple of suits, because some of those suits keep showing up in different places. V'yayiv yasei li-Yitzchak Abba, it was given over to Yitzchak. V'yitzchak Abba, yahayiv yasei li-Esav, he gave it to Esav. V'ano nisabas yasei min yodi de-Esav achui, I got it from Esav's hands. And I did this, le-becharbi, le-bekashti, not with a war, not with a battle, but I did it b'zuchusi u ba'avduye tavye. I did it with my merits, I did it with my good deeds. So the Targum Yerushalmi, we're talking about something written at the time of the Gemara, the Mishnah. Targum Yerushalmi is telling us that the meaning of Vanina Satil Chashechem Echad was that he gave him the clothes of Adam Arishain. Oh. So this is not just a little jacket. This is the heirloom piece of clothing that came from Avram to Yitzchak to Esau and ultimately to Yaakov, this is almost like the mantle. This is like getting the official streimel, you know. This is, uh, you're getting, this is the Rebbe clothing. It's going from generation to generation. And it's not just any piece of clothing, because you probably remember from a few weeks ago, who made those clothes? Remember, there was no tailor, just the Lord. It's Hashem made those clothes. So Hashem made clothes for Adam and Chava, and these clothes that Hashem made for Adam and Chava eventually ends up in the hands of Noah, if you remember we talked about. And Noah wore those clothes when he ministered to the animals. And that's why they didn't bother him, except for one crazy lion, once. And then those clothes eventually go to Shem, Vever, and somehow they end up in Nimrod's hands, and they come back to Avram. And this, we have different opinions here, because according to some of the opinions, Esav commits his first homicide, he's too busy killing Nimrod to go to Avram Avinu's funeral, and he does it, and he steals the clothing then. And this ends up in Yaakov's hands. So really, in a sense, remember the struggles of, ya- of Yitzchak, was the, he, had this, he also had this internal struggle. And the internal struggle between Esau and between and with Yaakov, who is going to be the next link in the chain? Who is going to be the one to be the progenitor of the Jewish people? Of course, it's Yaakov Avinu, Father Jacob, he becomes the one. But in becoming the one, the clothing gets passed off. The special raiments, right? The special kapata goes from Esav, goes to Yaakov. And who does Yaakov give that article of clothing to? To Yosef. So this is not just a fancy jacket. This is not just a colorful tunic. This represents big potatoes. Now the Piro Shantagam Yerushalmi says, and what is that levushe do Adam? What is that clothing from Adam? This is the way it's described. This is called the clothing of the Kohen Gadol. 
It says, Vayasa likim la'adam ala'ishtay kosnas ur. He made them clothing, which was like leather, like skin. Vayabishem. And he dressed them in these special clothes, which are called Big Day Shabbos. This was supposed to be the firstborns who were going to be the Kohenim once upon a time until the sin of the golden calf. That's the clothes they were going to wear. So when Avram Avinu brings a carbon, he wears those clothes. When Shane brings a carbon, he wears those clothes. And ultimately, when our father Jacob brings a carbon, he wears those clothes. He gives those clothes to Yosef. Now you understand that the brothers are very concerned. That's not fair. He just made him the next patriarch. What, what happened to us? Aren't we part of this whole thing? Of course they hated his guts. And then, by the way, he said, you see the nice clothes I have, right? Like, I, I'm the mamshech. I'm the one who inherits. Oh, by the way, my vision is you're all going to be bowing to me. So now they have to be bowing to Yosef. They're flipping their lid. Of course they want to get rid of him. Because not only do they think, see him as maybe a competition, they actually see him as problematic altogether. We're going to talk about that soon. Now, you should know that this Targum Yerushalmi is also brought down by another Rishon, who was a, a great Sephardic sage who lived in Syria. He's known as Shmuel Misanot. And he says, he quotes this Medish. And he says, you should know that our sages taught. He's not quoting a Targum Yerushalmi. He's quoting, actually, our sages in the Gemara, he says. He had a Medish. He had, he had a tradition from a different source. Doesn't seem like he had Targum Yerushalmi. And he says that you should know that he got the clothing of Avraham Avinu and it's almost verbatim the same thing which is stated in Talmud Yerushalmi. Alright, so now we're starting, the lights are going on for us a little bit. We're starting to have a little bit of a, a deeper understanding of these clothes. So now that we understand what these clothes are and why these clothes are so important, let's, let's skip forward. Let's go to verse 23. It's the third reading. Vahi Yosef, Yosef comes. And remember, they just plotted to kill him. Vayafshitu es Yosef es Kutanto. So they strip him. They strip him. That Al-Bag says something fascinating. Gersanides, as he is known in English. He says, they, they started like tricking Yosef. They drained a cup. He says, Sivavu sheyafshit Yosef es Kutanto me'atzmai. They didn't take it off. Vayafshitu doesn't mean that they actually pulled his jacket off. They got Yosef to take the jacket off. They used some kind of trickery. They didn't start off right away attacking Yosef. They disrobed him, or as you'll soon see, they disarmed him. And that is the meaning of that they took they said, take it off for some reason, and he believed them, and he took his jacket off, and then they went in for the kill. Why? Comes the great commentator Morad and says, and this is the only way to understand it, Al-Bag, even though the Al-Bag doesn't explain himself, he just says a whole story that they made Yosef take off the jacket by himself and he believed him and took off the jacket. Why? Why did Yosef take off the jacket? They couldn't pull his jacket off? Ten brothers can't pull one guy's jacket off? He says, Amru, they said, When he wore the jacket, he had protection. And as long as he's wearing the jacket, they'll never be able to overpower him. Remember this jacket was the hunting clothes that Esau liked to wear? Why do they like to wear these clothes? Because the hunting clothes that Esau liked to wear protected Esau from all the animals. The animals couldn't get to him. 
the animals can't get to you, people can't get to you either. From who are you more afraid? From a ferocious lion or an angry man? So this jacket is a holy jacket. It's God's handiwork, literally. It has with it an aura. And as long as you are aware of that jacket, you can do a lot of amazing things. And then they explain this is why Yosef wasn't afraid to walk all alone. And he meets a man and he says, you know, they went to Dotan and the Nikhli Dosa. He says, it's not really Dotan. There's a euphemism. There's a message that's, that's encoded. They're trying to scheme against you. He says, not afraid. Why? Wearing the jacket. I'll tell you a beautiful little story. It's not really connected, but it is. My Zaydi, Allah Shalom. My mother's father, Rabbi Hecht. He told me that he remembers when the chassid of the Friedrich Rebbe, Rabbi Yitzhak Masmid, Rabbi Yitzhak said, with the greatest chassid of the Friedrich Rebbe, just to give you a picture of who this man was, when Rabbi Yitzhak Masmid was in the Shulam Poland that the Nazis nailed the door shut and they, and they burned it with the Jews inside, what was Rabbi Yitzhak Masmid doing? He was singing the Nigan of Simchas He was thanking God that he's a Jew, that he has the schus for Mesiris Nefesh. That's who Yitzhak Masmid was. In fact, my other Zayda, my father's father, he told me when he was at a certain point of, of his life of running from place to place, hiding from the Russians, at two very different Zaydis. One is as Russian as you can get, one is as American as you can get. So my Russian Zayda told me, he remembers he was a place called Krimichuk, was the yeshiva was there for a little while, and, and the Bicha Masmed came to cut the wheat for his own matzah, because he didn't trust anybody. So he said he slept in the same room with him for a few days, because the Bicha came, he stayed with the Bakram. He said, I don't know when the man slept. He said, every single time I woke up middle of the night, he was either saying Shema, or preparing to say Shema, or just finishing saying Shema, or learning something. He said, I don't know when the guy slept. So I kept waking up middle of the night. <laughs> he said, man didn't sleep. Shema was, was, was an unbelievable person. So my Zayde Hech tells me, he remembers, that Rabbi Shema comes, and it's, it's like July, sweltering July in New York, and he remembers looking strangely that Rabbi Shema walks around with a streimer, with a fur hat the whole time. And he's thinking, why the guy doesn't take his fur hat off? Wherever he went, any time in the day, night, at night, or day, he was wearing that fur hat. And decades later, he heard a story. He says, oh, he says, now I understand. Why, as a little boy, I couldn't figure out why the man can't take the fur hat off. When the Friedrich Rebbe sent the Bicha to come to America to try to inspire the American Jews who were becoming very attenuated from their traditions, from, 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 from their Yiddishkeit. So he told the Friedrich Rebbe that he's afraid to go to America because Talmidi Habal Shentim and Dirt Nishgiven. There's no disciples of the Baal Shem Tev. The Rabbeim weren't there. So the Friedrich Rebbe purportedly told him, Nem mein streimel, und ich sein mit dir. Giving you my own hat. And he gave him one of his streimlach. I'm giving you my hat. And I'll be with you. So the Bicher was afraid to take the hat off. <laughs> Can you imagine? He was afraid he would be tempted by the allure of America. Right? by the riches of North America, by the intoxicating pull to assimilate, that Itcha Masmed was afraid, he wouldn't take the Friedrich Rebbe Streimel off. Okay, so, so we can imagine this, even in a spiritual way, that a Yid has a chayfet, something that belonged to a tzaddik, he feels empowered. He feels able to do something. You know, we have a minig, the chassan likes to wear a kapata, or a piece something, something that the, that the Rebbe wore. So this is like, Yosef's not afraid of anybody. He's got the Rebbe Streimel. He's got the, the, the Kapata. He, hey, who's going to hurt him? What, from from Yankee, we got it from Yitzchak, we got it from Avram. It's of shame. Noyach. <laughs> Hashem's handiwork himself. You understand what's going on over here? This is not a, a piece of clothing over here. And then, 
Now we understand something. Why did they take off the Xenus Apasim? So the tour says, you know why they took off the Xenus Apasim? Because that was the whole reason for the hatred. The tour is not understood. What's the reason for the hatred? Because he got a fancy jacket? You could say maybe that's a detail. How could you say that's the reason? He says, he siba. The tour says, this is the reason for the hatred. Then the pshat is very simple. Of course he says it, so that's the siba. Because that jacket represented, it was emblematic of all of the favoritism that Yankov Avina was giving to his son. That's represented the whole thing. Now we understand this. Now all of a sudden a lot of things start to make sense. One of the interesting things, it says that Yankov Avino saw, they, they took this Kusainus, they tore it. It tells you how bad, what, look what they did. These, these, they took, they took God's handiwork, they tore it. How desperate they were. Dipped it in blood, bring it back. And, 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 and Yankov Avino says, yes, 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 this is it. Hakerna, recognize it? Is this your son, my son's jacket? So some suggest, you, you know why? That Yankov Avino couldn't, couldn't get over it? He said, how could this be? If he's wearing the jacket, no animals could have attacked him. He said, there's foul play over here. Something doesn't make sense. Couldn't put his finger on it. And actually, we see later on that our father Jacob always suspected the brothers. He, he suspected some kind of hanky-panky. Because later, when it comes to taking Binyamin, right, when they want to go down to Mitzrayim, we'll learn about this in Mitzrayim, Hashem, Yankov Venus says, Rashi says, Pshutosh al-Mikr, little way of understanding the Mikr. Lefisho haya chayshdan. He suspected something. In other words, what, what could he say? They brought him a jacket. It's torn. It's bloody. What should he say? Yes, this is the jacket. And he's weeping and he's crying. Uh, what, does he have a choice? Uh, the evidence is there. Circumstantial evidence. He must be dead. The back of his mind is thinking, it's Ken Zayn. It can't be. He had the jacket. Yankov feels guilty his whole life that he sent him off. So what were you thinking to begin with? You sent that guy off in the middle of the, with the, the wild blue yonder? No, he sent him with a jacket. He sent him with protection. So the very thing that was supposed to protect him, that's the very thing that somehow survives the attack and nothing else is left. Just a jacket. The only thing they could find. Something's not adding up here. So this is, this gives us an appreciation into, into the jacket on a level of pshat, on a level of drush. It's interesting that in the Chassam Sefer's drushes, he makes this suggestion that this jacket was like, he calls it levush nachri. He calls it like, I'll paraphrase, goyisha clothes. So it's a non-Jewish jacket. What is he talking about? Why does Chassam Sefer say that? What, he's quoting, he's quoting Mepharshim, but wh- why does he emphasize that? So, before we go, we're going to talk about that in Mertz Hashem, I, I promise you, and I also want to mention to you that in the Sefer Tzir Hamur, it says that the Ksenis Pasim is connected to the 22 letters of the Aleph base. And he brings down that there's a special kavana that says in the Svarim of Kabbalah and Sedurim of Kabbalah that there's a special arrangement of Hebrew letters that you're supposed to say during Birchus Kainim. It's not our custom. And, and uh, the, the, it's anaktam, pastam, paspasim, diyunsim. That's how, that, that, that's, I'm reading it wrong, of course. I don't know how to, nobody knows how to read it. Uh, but the point is that this represents the Kseinus of Pasim. We actually say something very similar. We say these Isis. The psukim of these Asias, Kelna, Krav, Chuaskam, Matzpecha, we say this before we blow the shofar. And that adds, adds up to Pasim, to Ksenis Pasim. So there's this business over there that this jacket was a very powerful prayer tool. The idea of Chav Bez Asias, of the 22 letters of the Aleph Bez, is it's the full gamut of articulation, the full range of being able to speak before Hashem. 
many, many of the high holiday prayers, as we talked about in the classes on the davening and the machzer, employ this idea of the range of aleph base, from aleph to tuf, from tuf to aleph, or a number of aleph, a number of base, a number of gimels, because that represents yimale pi kolti l'sechel. I, I, I express myself fully to Hashem. So it seems that this jacket was like a special talus also. That this jacket enabled Yosef to daven in a more profound way. Which makes a lot of sense now. Once we take it from, from this background, now we understand why the jacket is so powerful, why it's so meaningful, and how it actually represents not only an artifact or piece of clothing, a raiment that came, Hashem, that God made, but it also has a spiritual representation. And it's emblematic of potent prayer, it's emblematic of wisdom. It's emblematic of the legacy of Avram Yitzchak Yaakov itself. And that's what got passed on to Yosef. Right, so how do, we, how do we understand this? How do we, how do we kind of put, it all, put this all together? So I want to... I, I, I am actually remiss. There's one thing I wanted to share. That Rashi, when he talks about Ksenis HaPasim, he says, Klimelas was a fine wool, fine. Like Karpas Hushelis, which we find in the Haggadah, in the Megillah, pardon me, which speaks about the fine uh, brocade and satin and all kinds of beautiful cloth that was used in the great feast of Achashverosh. And he says, like, like, like the Karpasus Chiles, like saying this Pasim. But Rashi feels compelled also to share Medesh Agada. He says, Medesh Agada. Medesh Agada is that the jacket becomes a symbol of his tsaras, of his challenges. Said he's sold to Potiphar. And, and, and to the soicharim, to the merchandise business people, so this makes up the word pasim. In other words, that, that, the, that, that the word ksenes, hapasim, is an acronym for potifar, soicharim, yishmeilim, midyanim. I never understood this Rashi over here. Why do you give us some, some medrash with some acronym? It was called Kasenis Hapasim because later on he gets sold to Patifers at the end and then Kasechri Mishmaelim. What does that mean? What does it mean? Father Jacob knew he was going to get sold. He said, Here's a jacket. It's going to represent all your tsaris. I hope you enjoy wearing it. <laughs> like, what does it mean? The pshat has to be that in somehow this jacket represents the transformation of Yosef. This jacket. And its colors, it represents the diffusion from how Yosef becomes from the simple Hebrew living at home with his family. And when he comes out of the other end of the tunnel, he's viceroy. He's the most powerful man, the second most powerful man in Egypt, which is the superpower of the day. Somehow this jacket is connected to the transformation also, which is strange because the jacket gets stripped away from him and it gets torn and it gets bloodied. So how could that jacket represent this transformation? So to better understand this, I'm going to take you back to a question that we raised in the beginning. We said, Yosef shares his vision, his dreams, and our father Jacob, he, he says, stop it. What are you saying this for? You're bringing hatred upon yourself. But quietly, it says, Yaakov himself, he, he watched, he kept this. And Rashi says, he uses no less than two verbs to describe this. Mamten means to wait. Metzapa means to anticipate. He awaited and he anticipated. Masayavai, when will this happen? So obvious question is, I understand that Yosef is the beloved son of Yaakov. I understand that Yaakov, he, he sees greatness in this son specifically. He sees that this son is going to be the one who is going to lead his brothers into the future and it's going to be under his tutelage 
that an Am Yisrael is going to be able to emerge. Okay, I understand that. But, therefore, he awaited and anticipated the time that Yosef should be a king over his brothers. And it's not just a king. They have to bow to the floor before him. And Yaakov himself has to bow to Yosef. Why should Yaakov bow to Yosef? What do you wait this for? So the thing is like this. The Rebbe once explained that our father Jacob knew very well that their being in Israel is not a, it's not a permanent solution. They're not staying in Israel. He knew that there was a Brit Bain Habsarim. He knew that there was a covenant. He knew there was a promise. He, he knew there's this idea of Ger, Yi, Zaracha, your seed is going to be strangers in a land that is not theirs. He knew this. He knew this. But he also knew that this can come in a very negative way. Or it could come in a much more positive, in a much more in a happy setting. Which is in keeping with the Gemara and Shabbos. Sechat Shabbos on page 89, it says, quote, Roi hoyo yankev avinu leded libetzrayim b'shal shalois shal barzel. Yaakov was suited to be dragged down to Egypt in chains. This, this could have happened. Yankev knew this. But if Yosef becomes the ruler, then he's not going in chains. He may have to, he may be compelled to go out down to Mitzrayim, but he'll go in grandeur. He's going to go in style. So that's why that's perhaps the reason that our father Jacob is waiting for him to be king because he knows that it is through Yesus' royalty, through Yesus' sovereignty, that the, the, the takana, that the, the, this, this act that's going to fix the Jewish people, it's going gonna, it's gonna to really kind of melt them down and pull them apart, but put them back together and they're going to become the great Am Yisrael. That has to help them through being a Mitzrayim and Yesus being a royal, that, that's how it's going to happen. The Rebbe says, okay, fine, fine. So that's why our father Jacob maybe anticipated and he waited the moment that Yosef, that Joseph should rise to greatness. But why do you need the brothers to bow to him? The dream is not just royalty. It's not just that people will bow to him. The brothers will bow to him. Why does he need his brothers to bow to him? So the Rebbe says that this has to be understood in the context of mystical teaching. In the teachings of Chesidus, Starting off at the middle of Rebbe Teres Chaim, and there's my Marim from the Tzemach Tzedek and the Rebbe Marash. Even the Alter Rebbe alludes to it in Teirer. But the difference in Avedus Hashem between Yosef and the other Shvatim. And I'm not going to use the fancy Kabbalistic terminology, whether it's Avedus through Man or through Mad, or it's Neshamas of Atzilus and Neshamas of, of, of Biyah, like Zera Behema, Zera Odom. There's a lot, of, there's a lot of fancy terminology which is probably just going to confuse you, but I'm going to make it very simple. Yosef at Tzadik is able to serve Hashem in a totally different way. In a much, much loftier, much more profound fashion. And because of that, our father Jacob sees within Yosef, specifically within Joseph, the potential of a fully developed Jewish people. Let's talk now on a Pshat level. We're not going to fly into Kabbalistic jargon. Let's talk on a simple Pshat level. What's the difference between Yosef and his brothers? Why is Yosef called Hatzadik? And they're just Shvatim, tribes. Not Hatzadik. Not Reuben Hatzadik, not Yehuda Hatzadik, not Tartali Hatzadik. Yosef Hatzadik. Yosef is known for all time as Hatzadik. And you know, there are different great leaders of the Jewish people. They have different names, different, different titles, if you will. We have three Jews known as Avinu. 
Not Yosef Avinu. That's Avram Yitzchak Yankov. The Gemara says, Ain Kedon Lo'avis El L'Shlesha. Just three. Imohais, our mothers, just four women in Jewish history. And then we have different people. Moshe was a Melech. Moshe was a Novi. Moshe was a, a lot of things. But what do we call him? Moshe Rabbeinu. Because Rabbeinu, that's, that's who he is. Right? And then, for example, many, many years later, we have another great Jew who leads the Jewish people, and he's called Ispashtusa, the Moshe, extension of Moshe. His name is Mordechai, but guess what his name is? Hatzadik. Calls him Mordechai Hatzadik. Mordechai Ahayuhudi, Mordechai Hatzadik. Interesting. Yosef has name Hatzadik, Mordechai has name Hatzadik. And there was others. There was another man known as Hatzadik. He was called Shimon Hatzadik, the last, the last big coin god, the end of the... So we have a few people known. Then we have, we have Shmuel Hanavi and Eliyahu Hanavi. Yirmiyahu, just called Yirmiyahu, but certain people are called Hanavi. David is Hamelech, Shleima Hamelech. Different names. Yehoshua is Yehoshua. So <coughs> there are certain, the greatest leaders. Devaira is Hanavia. She's not the only great woman who led us, but Devaira is called Hanavia. And so is another woman named Chulda, Hanavia. So these names are actually very meaningful, and that's a subject for a whole different lecture, what each name means, and why certain tzaddikim were given certain names, tzaddikaniot received certain titles, because that becomes the expression, really, of who they are. But let's take a look at Mordechai. Well, what was Mordechai HaTzadik? Who was Mordechai? He was not only a Rebbe of the Jewish people, not only did he teach little Jewish children Torah, what else did he do? He was a senator. He was a parliamentarian. He, he, he was involved in worldly matters. Shimon HaTzadik is most famous for his encounter with Alexander the Great, for countering the most powerful man in the world, for engaging with him, for leading the Jewish people through a very, very difficult time. Walking on thin ice, walking almost a tightrope, how to balance the influences of Hellenism, modernity of the time, without losing the traditions of the Jewish people, and he had to engage with Chachma Yovan. Of all the brothers, Yosef's called that tzaddik. So I ask you a simple question. You all learn it, you all know a little about the Chumash. What was the profession of the Shvatim? What did they do for a living? Royetzah. And when Yosef brings them to Mitzrayim, he sits to the Pharaoh, he, there's two opinions in Rashi, he puts the strong ones or maybe the weak ones. What was he worried about? He's worried that Pharaoh's going to draft them, make them part of his military. Why? What does he say? He says, they are shepherds. They're going to go to Goshen. They're going to be in a pasture area. They want to be Reyetzayin. They do not want to work for the government of Egypt. Yosef, on the other hand, totally cosmopolitan. He, he walks the halls of power. He deals with the politics of the prime ministers. There had to be politics there. And, 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 and it's not just any place. It's the superpower of the world. By far, by far, the wealthiest country by the time Yosef finished than any other country in, in, the, in, that, in that part, in the Mesopotamia Basin, that area of the world. And it's also known as Ervasaras, by the way. The most immodest, the most licentious place in the face of earth. That's what it was called. The nakedness of the earth, Ervasaras. And Yosef walks in the middle of all this, and he remains Yosef at Tzadik. Not just Yosef at Tzadik, it's called Tzadik Elyon. What is a Tzadik? A Tzadik is a person who is always in a state of dvekut, always cleaving on Hashem. So you and I, if we're lucky, we get like a two seconds of dvekut at some point during our day, maybe during Shema, maybe during Shem Nesra, you did a Jew a favor, I don't know. But then, you know, you, you think you this, and there, you're all over the place. 
You're busy fighting with yourself every moment, not to get angry, not to get upset, not to look, not to say. But a tzaddik, he's online. He's like, doesn't lose focus for a moment. If a tzaddik loses focus, it's a profound problem in tzaddik land. So Yosef is in this reality, and he never loses focus for a moment. How come his brothers didn't want to work for the government? It's a good job. It's a pension. It's a very... It's a, <laughs> they had schlep. How come his brothers didn't want to work for him? You know why? Because they were afraid. They were afraid like Yitzhah Masmud was afraid. They said, we're going to be in Erev Azaretz. He was afraid. Yitzhah Masmud was holding on to that time over their life. He was afraid. They were afraid of the environment. We become products of our environment. It's very easy to get influenced. It's very easy. The Rambam says in his days that a person has to be so careful with his environment. He says, if you can't find the environment, he says, run to a cave. He says, isolate yourself. Because you become influenced. You become influenced. You become assimilated. So we have this huge issue. We have to be really careful about all kinds of influences. That's who Yosef HaTzadik is. Yosef HaTzadik can be in the middle of the situation, totally involved and engaged, and unfazed. That's how the famous explained Alter Rebbe explains that when it says the brothers met Yosef, it says he recognized them. They couldn't recognize him. On a simple level, Rashi says that Yosef left his brothers without chasima zazake, and he didn't have a beard. A boy, a baby face. And now he's got a big beard. And they had beards. They're already mature, so no problem to recognize them. And that is the pshat. And the pasuk says that, that's what it was. He didn't recognize him. But the Torah speaks to us on many levels. And on a deeper, more profound level, it says, Yosef understood their Avedas Hashem. He understood what they were trying to do. He understood who they were. But they couldn't understand him. There's no way to say, how could this guy who looks like an Egyptian, he looks like a Gentile, he acts like a Gentile, he is disconnected from the legacy of Ramadan. How could he, how could Yosef, how could he be a child of Yankov? How could he be a tzaddik? Can't be. Impossible. Maybe he looked like him. Yeah, fine. I think I saw that nose before. Impossible. He couldn't be. It couldn't be such a... It's impossible. They didn't understand. They didn't recognize. They didn't understand how such an Abayi Hashem is possible even. They were amazed by the, this concept. This level of serving Hashem was beyond their fathomability. Couldn't relate to it. So that's the difference between Yosef and his brothers. Now, let me ask you a funny question. If we, the Jewish people today couldn't survive being in an alien environment. The only way we could survive was by being shepherds. Where would we be today? I don't know if we'd have many Jews left. As it is, we're losing a lot of Jews. Right? We're fighting the good fight. We're trying to bring more and more Yidin home. It's not easy. It's not easy. And it's so easy to get lost. And especially when we live in Baruch Hashem, times of affluence, and times of plenty, where opportunities are open to us. It always has a double-edged sword. It comes with danger. We, the Jewish people, though, if we want to, we can, we can remain faithful to Hashem. Many years ago, my father came with a group of kids to the, to the capital of Washington, and they bumped into Joe Lieberman, who then was a newly elected senator right on the stairs. And my father says to him, Senator Lieberman, please say a few words to these kids. And, and what he said to them in a few words was, that you can be a Torah-observant Jew and you can be a U.S. senator. Before he imagined you would ever be on the, on the vice, vice president of the potential ticket, he said, you can be, I'm a senator, I'm able to function, I work 
six days a week I work, Shabbos I rest, I don't, Shabbos is sacred. He says, you can do it. I did it, you can do it too. Funny, his name is Yosef also. And the kids are very impressed. It made a big impression on them. So this, of course, is our challenge. Our challenge is to show that we can be involved in worldly matters and it's not a contradiction. You're made a, a, a Jew who's connected, cleaving on Tashem. So, I am going to say a funny question now. Who are the Jewish people? Yosef or the Shvatim? Really, who are the Jewish people today? Think about it. We really are in the image of Yosef, much more so than the image of isolationists. I mean, we have some isolationists, but this is the power of the Jewish people. We can be anywhere, we can flourish, we can build a community, we can continue to, to build Yiddishkeit. <laughs> Many years ago, I was sitting at a bat mitzvah, sort of from the community, and they had cousins who came from Borough Park. Borough Park is a little-known shtetl. Have you heard of it in New York? And, and there was, uh, so we're sitting at the table. It was, you know, it wasn't such a modest, let's say, Torah affair. It was like one of these celebrations. And there was some people there who were very argumentative. Who said there's a God, and why is there a God, and why have Yiddish all together? And it was just like, it was like playing tennis, you know, I kept shooting balls at me from all sides and hitting the balls back, and my wife is and thinking, uh, fending off these things. And the guy says to me at the end of the evening, he says, Ich versteine, she said, how do you stay alive over here? I would become a psagoya, I can't deal with this. <laughs> he said, you live like this? This is the people you live with? This is your community? How do you live? I said, but it's no issue, is it? I don't know, only Dilabavich can do things like this. I, I'm going back to Borough Park. I stay here one more day, I'm finished, he says. <laughs> I looked at him and I said, well, maybe you should go back to Borough Park. <laughs> Yasef represents the finest, the most wonderful element of Yiddishkeit, Yiddishkeit that goes everywhere. This is what Yankov Avinu sees in Yasef. And that's why, just like our father Jacob, he couldn't get, he couldn't lay claim to the prize until... Until he could be Yankov and an Esav. When Yankov Avinu shows that he can fight with a lover and he can fight with an Esav, he can contend. He can think outside the box. In fact, he could sometimes just get rid of the box altogether. And he do what's necessary to do. And he could be Kisarisim Elim Kimba Nashim Vatuchal. You can overcome all kinds of challenges, which is what the name Yisrael means. You can earn those stripes. Oh, Yitzchok says. Oh, you put on somebody else's clothes. You color the truth because you knew. You got the blessings. Oh, in that case, I had no idea. In that case, may your taka be blessed. In that case, you were always the right, right, right one. I just never saw that in you. Just like our father, Jacob, has to undergo this transformation, and that's Parshas, the Parshas that we come before us, from Toldus to Parshas Vayetze and Vayishlach, which represent all of his challenges. Esav, and then from the fire, frying pan into the fire, dealing with Lavan, and then going back into a bigger fire with Esav, and then Yankov Avinu comes to Vayeshev, this point, our father Jacob now is transferring that kind of responsibility over to Yosef. That's what the coat represents, my friends. Because the coat has many colors. Because the Shvatim, they were colorblind. It could be, they were monochromatic Jews. They had to wear a black apata and a white shirt and that was it. They couldn't think, how could you be Jewish otherwise? They couldn't imagine anything other than the box. In the box, there's a sheep and a shepherd, and a little grass, but that's it. It's a monochromatic approach, single color. But Yosef is Tiferes. 
That's what says Chassidus. Yankov Vino represents Tiferes, Avraham is Chesed, one extreme. Yosef, Yitzchak is another extreme. And then comes Yankov Vino is Tiferes, and Tiferes gives over to Yosef, which is the prism and the colors. And that's why Yosef with his colorful coat represents an Avedis Hashem that the other Shvatim couldn't understand. Maybe this is what the Chassam Sefer means, that the guy should close. How could he wear such clothes? Is the Chal Tzayid, the guy Tarim Azoi, what's going on over here? It can't be. Something doesn't make sense over here. My dear friends, that's where the whole essence of the Yiddishkeit is. Yiddishkeit can have many colors. It can have many forms. As long as you remain loyal to Hashem and the Aruch, you don't deviate one centimeter from the essential principles, it's okay. It's a fine thing. The internet is not the source of all evil. The internet is the source of a lot of Torah. depends what you do with it. Right? In some sex, ban the internet, ban the internet. We have more internet sites than anybody else in the world. Why? That's a wonderful way. You didn't should learn Torah. Ah, people do bad things with it. No. So do you abolish marriage because there's prostitution? This is, this is to find the Kedusha everywhere. For this you need to be colorful. For this you need to have. So the Rebbe says a Meridika thing. That Yankov Avinu looked at his sons and he knew that only thing that they could do is be, they could be separated. His boydidus and his separation from the world. They couldn't be involved with the world. If they get involved with the world, they get swept up in worldly matters. They lose their holiness. So the Shvatim are monochromatic of the Hashem. But Yosef is a tzaddik. Yosef could be the prime minister in Ervas Oretz. He could be involved in politics and the intrigue of government and scheming and all kinds of crazy things that happen. Life hasn't changed that much. And he remains Davuk to the Rebbein Shalil. So who is going to be the one to lead the Shvatim? Will Yosef be subservient to the Shvatim or will the Shvatim be subservient to Yosef? What is Yankiv waiting for? Just like he saw his own transformation, he saw within Yosef the replication of his own experiences. He grew into his own, he became a Yankiv, he became a Yisrael through his challenges. He's waiting to see Yosef fully open up like a flower. And then he says, the Shvatim will be bottled to Yosef. They'll be subservient to Yosef. Yosef's Kedusha. They'll recognize his Kedusha and the supremacy of his Avedis Hashem. And then everything comes together. And maybe this Rashi means that the Ksenis Apasim represents this whole terrible story. This, 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 this terrible episode of brothers wanting to kill the brother and sell the brother. They thought Yosef was a danger to Judaism. They said, we got a mission. We received the tradition of Avram and Yitzchak and Av Yankiv. And this, this Yosef is a strange cat. He's combing his hair. He's making this. He's what? A guy. A guy in Zarangafalm. He didn't do this guy. He can get rid of him. And they really believe that Yosef was a danger to Judaism. They said, we need to get rid of, to eliminate this, this danger. We can't have Yosef amongst us. He'll ruin us. But in fact, it was the other way around. And with that jacket, they strip away the jacket. They try to take away his power. That's his power. That jacket, they, they want to take away the legacy but all they do is tear it. They dirty it. They bloody it. But that becomes the poitifar. That, that becomes the whole, the seicharim, the yishmaelim, the, 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 that acronym for, for the Ketanis HaPasim. That's how Yosef ultimately rises to his greatness, through the jacket, in a very strange way, in a very unnatural way. But through the jacket, Yosef comes into his own because that jacket represents the legacy and that legacy is challenged by the Shvatim and they strip him of it and they tear it and bloody it and Yosef, as a result of that, becomes... The Mishnah of the Viceroy, second in command of Mitzrayim. And in doing so, 
he facilitates the Bnei Yisrael coming into Mitzrayim. And had they remained loyal to Yosef, Avedis Hashem, everything would have been fine. But unfortunately, there were too many Shvatim. And the regular Shvatim, they lost it. Even Yosef's children lost it. And they tried to be more Egyptian than Jewish and try to prove their patriotism, which is a subject for another day. We'll get to that. And unfortunately, that's how they fell under the iron fist of the Egyptians, jackboot of the Egyptians, and they ended up in a terrible, terrible situation, like the seed that rotted. But then growth ensued, and the Jewish people emerge, come out of the cauldron. So this, my dear friends, is not just a jacket. Now you know a little bit more that this wardrobe change or wardrobe malfunction and the tzaras and the issue of Yosef HaTzadik's jacket is actually emblematic and symbolic of the whole essence of Yosef and the whole process of transformation through which eventually Am Yisrael is able to become reunited to enter into Mitzrayim so that they will emerge as Bnei Obnei Yisrael, the special children of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Okay, so the, the 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 truth is, let me just paraphrase your question. You're asking why did Yosef need a jacket altogether? The jacket was in different hands, different, uh, you know. The jacket is unchanged. It's, it's, it's Hashem's clothing. Here, here's the point. You know what a computer is? Yeah, maybe a computer. And you know there's, they have software systems that can manage a business for you, that can, that can give you answers and you know how to find information. But the computer is only as good as the information you put into it. So if it's, a, it's, a, it's a mechanism. It's a vehicle. It's, a, it's just an envelope to be able to accomplish amazing things. So if you know what you're doing, and you use holiness, and you know, understand what, what this artifact means, so you use it to, to vault you into a higher madrega. If you're Esav, it's a, it's a toy. It's a magic jacket to which you go hunting. You know? And, and, that's, and that's, by the way, why a chayfetz of Kedusha, a holy artifact, is not supposed to end up in the wrong hands. That could be a very dangerous thing. There was Moshe Rabbeinu, he wrote, he inscribes on, on a plate, on a metal plate, Alei Shur, Right? I'll learn about it much later to bring back the coffin of Yosef. And who gets that? A guy named Micha. And what does Micha do? Micha, later on, is instrumental in building the Egel. Pesel Micha is later on. But this is, he builds the Egel. How does he build it? By throwing in that plate. He came in the wrong hands. Why do you think the Rebbe was so upset and so distressed when the wrong people took Sfarim? When the wrong people have Sfarim of the Rabbeim? Because the Rebbe says, Lebedike Bumbus. The Rebbe described these this Sfarim as grenades. This is live, live bombs. In the right hands, <laughs> wondrous things happen. Chas Shom in the wrong hands becomes very dangerous. It's the same kind of thing. It's just a jacket. Yeah, a very holy jacket. A very potent jacket. It has to be utilized in the right way by the right people and then they're able to come to greatness. In the end, did Joseph get the jacket back? Does Joseph get the jacket back? That's a really good question. Well, it seems that the jacket got torn and bloodied and I don't know what happened to it. We don't hear about this jacket again. <laughs> we, we talked about it a few weeks ago. There was a number of different jackets, a number of number of wardrobes, the suits of clothes. Yeah, it was Adams, it was Chavas, and it seems there was more. So at, at some late, I, a few weeks ago, I shared these Gemara that talks about Romans even having 
pagans having some kind of clothing. So it's, it's, uh, this is a, a subject of discussion in and of itself, but I hope that the little time we spent tonight has given you a more uh, profound understanding and a deeper appreciation of the wondrous and amazing teachings which are tucked away in the little curiosities of the Pasha. Bye-bye.